0: I'm Tony Tardio. Hello and welcome to Darren Hinch's That's Life podcast, a podcast where we talk about the big stories of the past, the big stories of today through the prism of Hinch's 60 years in the media. In this episode, the Tokyo Olympic Games, Japanese toilets and COVID in New South Wales. Aaron Hinch, welcome again to That's Life. Thanks, mate. Good to talk. The Olympic Games, did you watch the opening ceremony? Did they I excite the you in c- any
1: way? I watched the opening ceremony. I put up a tweet that uh, uh, that didn't go down well. It I was quite mild. I just said, I'm watching the Olympic Games opener. I don't think it's working. <laughs> That's all I said. I don't think it's working. And uh, I don't. I mean, J- Japan has such Centuries of culture, amazing stuff that could have been so good. And I know they're under restrictions with the coronavirus restrictions, et etc. et cetera, but they, they, I'm told they spend like $100 million on opening ceremonies. Um, I thought it missed the mark completely. Um, later on that night, on opening night, because it went on until about 1 o'clock in the morning, um, I saw a tweet from Jeff Kennett and very political, saying, what a wonderful ceremony, and it was this and it was that, and it was so meaningful, and da 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 and I tweeted back and I said, Jeff, it was boring as batshit.
0: <laughs> it did go for hours. I, I watched the first couple of hours, and then I just couldn't stand it anymore. I, I went to bed, so I didn't well, did, see... Did, did,
1: did, you, what, did you watch them rearranging the office desks? I don't know what that was about.
0: Uh, no, I, I didn't, and I sort <laughs> of hate all, all that, you know. Like, uh, I think it's great to... To, I mean, why didn't they do sumo wrestling or something? Because that's part of their culture. They, they they neglected all of that sort of stuff. But um, they,
1: even I mean, Japan Japanese are brilliant, innovative dancers. The dancing wasn't that good. I saw nothing to, to remember to remember a ship of the desks. I mean, at least Sydney Sydney two thousand I thought it was incredible the way they did that. Um, but I, this one no, to me it missed the mark. Um, What intrigued me was when they made the announcement of Brisbane Now we knew the result was going to be Brisbane But back when they announced Sydney 2000 People stayed up to watch it on television Some TV newsers here in Australia Didn't even cross to the live announcement of um, Brisbane 2032
0: I think because we're in the middle of COVID and everybody's distracted and, uh, you know, the other thing that came out of the announcement was the John Coates, Anastasia Palaszczuk media conference where he appeared to sort of bully her into going to the opening ceremony. Did you catch up with that?
1: I watched it several times. Now, there are two stories here. One, John Coates... I'm not a fan, so take that take that as it will. Um, how he stayed boss in Victoria, in Australia, for so long, and now in the IOC, I I don't know, but I'm now told, and it's been published, and Coates has argued with it, is this that he and Palaszczuk conspired for that press conference to give her an excuse to go to the opener. I mean, she was criticised with a, a petition of th- hundreds of thousands of people saying, "Don't go to Japan." She went because she wanted to ensure we got the 2032 Games. According to Coates, she and he conspired to give her an out to go to the, the opening ceremony. And he he came on like an arrogant pig with his arms folded, belittling a Premier of this country, ordering her and the Lord Mayor and the Federal Sports Minister to go to the opening ceremony, Um she sort of came back out of it and said, I don't want to embarrass anybody. Now, it, 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 it probably was a conspiracy because Coates says they then went out and had drinks together, quote, all night. Um, but on television internationally, it looked like some arrogant sports official belittling a Premier and a woman. And I, I found it offensive.
0: Well, even if it is a conspiracy, I think that's even worse in a way. I mean, you're trying to fool the Australian people Mm -hmm. by pretending a situation is something which it is not.
1: Why didn't Palaszczuk say, I'm here, I'm not doing any events, but I've talked to John Coates and he thinks it would be be an insult to the Japanese people if a future host of the Games doesn't appear at the opening ceremony. She could... be Christ, I was a politician. Be honest. Tell it like it is. And don't try and contrive. It's like Watergate. The biggest problem with Watergate was never the break-in at the Watergate Hotel. It was the cover-up. And it's always this, always the case. It's when you try to to fool people and rewrite history that you get you get screwed.
0: I'm interested to find out why you say you're not a fan of John Coates.
1: Um. Because in the past I think he's been a very misogynist, very controlling person. There was a challenge. he's been running the AOC for probably thirty years. He's earning seven hundred thousand dollars a year. There was a challenge no, to no, him. No, it, no,
0: it's actually it's more than several hundred. It's like oh, four, seven, five, six hundred seven. Seven hundred. Yes.
1: Yeah, seven hundred thousand dollars a year. There was a there was one challenge to him a while ago and he brutally pulled out all stops to knock it down. Um Look, I'll, I'll, give him, I'll give him credit. Without John Coates, we probably would not have got Sydney 2000 because he knows the way the system works, the corruption and whatever. Um, we would not have got 2032 without John Coates. So those two things I'll give him. But in my history of him, I don't know him personally. I don't even remember if I ever met him. But he, um, he's a very self-opinionated, arrogant man.
0: He's a lawyer. I met him in 1988 in Seoul when he was the team uh, chef de mission. I think he's been in the Olympic Games circles for years. Mm-hmm. And there was always, uh, you know, the about... The, uh, uh, was it him? Or, or There was another guy, I think, that, that was from Melbourne that uh, fought against Melbourne getting the Olympic Games, so Sydney could get the Olympic Games. Do you remember hey, when all that was happening? Hey,
1: I fought against Melbourne getting the Games in 1988. And Brian Dixon, um, who was then sports minister, said to me once, he said, Darren, because I was f- fairly influential on Channel on 3RW, and Dixon then said, you destroyed me, Darren, you destroyed me. Because I came up with a, an argument. I said, why would we want the 1980 Olympics when we haven't paid off the 1966 Olympics yet? Now, that was true, but it was unfair because... Uh, Victoria was still did still have a loan against the sixties
0: the 50, 50 60 60 Olympics. 50. Yeah.
1: But it was a very low about three percent or something, you know, four percent. So they were the very smart, just pay it off as you have to. But it was very convincing and also I said, go out to Homebush. Look at the. Uh, no, 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 Homebush. What's the. What's the. How uh, are Heidelberg, yeah. Heidelberg. So. Is it the Homebush of Sydney? Go out to Heidelberg. Look at the glamorous Olympic village from 1956 now in Heidelberg, because that village became a slum. And I use these arguments because I thought, we can't afford it. That was my, my my theory. We can't afford it. We've had it. We don't need it.
0: Well, back then, it was the case for the Olympic Games. I remember Montreal held the Olympic Games. And yeah. uh, they were a financial disaster. It wasn't really until Los Angeles in 1984.
1: Hey, w- Montreal went so broke during the Olympic Games, before and during and after, they couldn't afford to put a, a removable roof on the stadium. <laughs> The roof didn't happen. I mean, it was—it was, it was in, the, in the. I've seen the plans. It was in the plans to put a, a sliding roof on the on the main um, stadium, and they were broken. Couldn't didn't build it.
0: Yeah. Well, look, I, I talking about the opening ceremony. I would like to see it sort of uh, pared back. I, I like the flag. I like the flame. I like the athletes, but the other stuff I think goes a bit uh, over the top. It sort of started going over the top from Moscow, nineteen eighty when they had the big bear with the wink and uh, all that sort of stuff. Right, let, te- let
1: me float something by you. I've said this before. Why don't we internationally spend money, not that much, and have it every four years in Greece? Athens was the first modern Olympics. If you have in the same country every year, you've got the same temperature, the same climate, the same facilities, you're not facing... What they're doing in Tokyo, they try to postpone the tennis because it was too hot. Just imagine they did that. We could all put in a few million dollars and it would stop these multi-billion dollar blowouts.
0: Well, you'd have permanent facilities for a start. Mm, Yes. And uh, they'd be the best you could because you could spend the money on it.
1: Well, I've Um, been to Greece, I've seen the Athens um, facilities and they're pretty good. And you could update them, but it would cost... Millions less or millions less than what we're spending now internationally. I mean, there's no – wasn't a coincidence that Brisbane was the only final bidder because the other country, countries and cities said, nah.
0: It's a, a lot of money and each – every four years it just gets uh, – you know, the, 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 the bill gets higher and higher. Um, hey, let me tell you an Olympic
1: story. I was on Sunrise recently and uh, they had the story about the cardboard beds in Tokyo. <laughs> So the (laughs) athletes won't get involved in horizontal folk dancing. Uh, (laughs) So they made these cardboard beds. by the way, a fair
0: bit of that goes on at the Olympic Village.
1: (laughs) Well, there's thousands of condoms apparently donated. Anyway, they had some Irish athlete who jumped up and down the bed on video for minutes to show that it could sustain some sort of activity. Uh, I did raise the issue. I said, I think sex should be an Olympic sport. (laughs) I mean... And hope that Australia. Let's hope Australia wouldn't win. <laughs> well,
0: well, there'd be a couple of countries, I think, that <laughs> would be pretty good at. I,
1: I, I think Australia could do pretty well and maybe get a get a silver medal.
0: <laughs> uh, what, what's funny too is I remember seeing a, a photograph in Beijing. You know how they uh, develop all their facilities and whatever. There were two toilets. ...together without a wall in between. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> now, how would that work? Why would you need two toilets to sit on with no wall in between?
1: That's <laughs> terrible.
0: <laughs> yeah. Is that true? Yeah, no, that was true. That was true. That was in the Olympic village, in the athletes' village. Uh, one so room.
1: I'm, 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 I'm totally open to um, uni toilets and things like that. Although I've talked to females in, in, in my office in the past who are very uncomfortable about it, um, one said, I walked into a unisex, I didn't know it was a unisex toilet at the shopping centre, I walk in and there's a bloke there washing his hands <laughs> and now I'm going to go into a cubicle and take my knickers off and I didn't feel comfortable <laughs> yeah, about it. Yeah, well,
0: that. I can understand it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so can I. So, so the unisex thing is um, is fine as long as it's solitary.
0: Yes, well, you don't <laughs> want to be sitting next to somebody else even course, if it's not a, a muddy mile. double,
1: not a, not, a, not a double dunny, you know. <laughs> that's right. That's hey, let right. me tell you something. Why well, I'm one of the luckiest people in, in, in Australia during the lockdown, okay? I watch the news stories about um, the, the rage of supermarkets on, on toilet paper. I mean, it's a story that always comes up every, every lockdown, right? Doesn't fuss me. I have a Japanese flush toilet which you don't use toilet paper. It's very sanitary. It's very expensive, but you, 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 it's like a a toilet bidet, and you you wash yourself, and hit another button and dry yourself, and and I could do a damn <laughs> if the toilet paper becomes comes um, obsolete.
0: Now, now, do we need to go into how this all works? It, it actually happens while you're sitting there, or do you have no, to it, stand? It
1: won't work unless you're sitting down. Yeah. The, the, uh, it, it it has a a totally permanently warm seat. So in the middle of winter, the seat is warm. Then you sit down and you do your business. Then you push a button that says, um, not in quite these words, flush front bum or back bum. <laughs> and then you push another button that says dry and a, a, the air comes in and hot air comes in and dries you off and you get up and walk away.
0: That's and in your group- apartment? Yeah. Well, next time I come there, I might just have a look and see. How this thing st- works. My friends
1: who stay here are too scared to use it. I've got to be honest, you know they don't. But in, in Japan, in Japan they are obsessed with it. I actually discovered it when I went to Tokyo for um, Sunday night program on Channel Seven, and I was in a hotel room that had this amazing toilet. I was so impressed; I almost married it. You know. Uh,
0: Are they expensive? Expensive?
1: Uh, yes. Uh, it costs you about three and a half, four thousand dollars. But I reckon over a, I reckon over a year you'd spend a thousand dollars on toilet paper, wouldn't you?
0: Well, I, I, I'm not sure. I've never <laughs> yeah, actually.
1: So so, so I, I've had it for five years. I I actually was having lunch at the Crown Casino with Ann Peacock. And uh, well, i will telling you, I was having my bathroom remodeled um, because I, I don't know if I've told this before, but I was one, walking out of my building once and saw somebody's bathtub on, on on the on the on the ground, and I talked to the builder, the, the plumber, and I said, "Ask me a question." I said, "Why do why do even people with expensive apartments and expensive houses never have toilets and bathrooms as good as?" luxury hotels and he couldn't answer. So I hired him and I said, come up and look at my place. I ripped my bathroom out and put in a hotel bathroom with black marble walls and floor with a shower recess you walking to with no bloody door to fight with, you know, and that's what I built. And at the time I was telling Ann this, Ann Peacock, and she said, well, have you put in a Japanese toilet? And I thought, no. She said, we'll, we'll just put them into all our suites in Crown because they're so hygienic and so popular. So I came home and I got my builders to rip the bloody black tiles off the walls, put in a new water and electrical outlet and installed this Japanese um, Japanese toilet. And there was, in Japan, there is a big building which is a Japanese toilet museum. <laughs> Believe me.
0: Well... Well I'm thinking here while you're talking about all the toilets I've ever been to all over the world, and they're they're different and they're fascinating. Uh, we should do a podcast about toilets actually. The old one we used to have on the banana plantation was just a hole in the ground uh, there and I guess you remember growing up too in new zealand
1: uh, my, my 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 grandma and grandpa lived in a little town called Opennaki in New Zealand, about forty miles from my home, and I should go and stay with them. And they had an outdoor toilet. They had a hole in the ground dunny, and um, once a week, the dunny man, Mr. Tippy Tippy Tipperton, would come around, take out their their, their their can of poo, and put it on his hat on his head. <laughs> That's what they the expression a shit you know a shit carters cap. That's where that expression comes from because shit carters carried him had a flat hat to tell the tell the bloody. Bucket didn't spill all over them. And I would actually, um, I mean, as a kid, I remember I'd hold off from going to the toilet because I was scared a bloody spider would jump out at you. Um, And I'd hold out until I could go to a friend's house because they were wealthier than my grandparents and they had a toilet indoors. So I'd hold out for two days and then have a a poo when I got to my mate's house.
0: (laughs) That's quite a skill. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Well, the, the, the I, can't we, I can't
1: believe I can't believe, mate. That's why I love these podcasts. Somebody once said to me, sent me an email the other day saying, when you and Tony talk, it sounds like I'm eavesdropping on a cafe conversation <laughs> and want to move closer. <laughs> right. um, and that's what we do. That's why I love it. we're nearly up to number 50. And I, I think it's, I think it's, it's magic.
0: <music> we should talk about COVID. Yes, okay? let's talk about COVID because, um, you know, we got a uh, big problem, New South Wales. Now uh, uh, Gladys Berejiklian, has she, uh, has she totally messed up here, Darren?
1: She stuffed it. Premier Gladys, too little, too late. I can understand.
0: She was so good day. for a long time.
1: Look, in the early days when they called it lockdown light and mockdown, they were right. Last year, Gladys in the, the gold standard, mocked Victoria when we were in lockdown for so long. She really did. And, and now, now, now she's ruining the day because the worst thing you're seeing is they're getting over 100 cases and 50, 60, 70 of them are community cases which haven't been identified. I mean, at least in Victoria in recent weeks, even though our numbers have gone from zero, from donuts to 12, 13, 14, 12, uh, at least most of them have contracted or been identified in quarantine and have stayed in quarantine. Occasionally, we have a rogue that's that's wandered, but uh, that hasn't been the case in New South Wales. I mean, the, the recent demonstrations in New South Wales, and a bit in Melbourne as well, are uh, effing stupid. I mean, these people, how can you be so ignorant, so selfish, so reckless, so dumb? The, the threat of super-spreading, these people who, who argue about free speech, and in the, and, and the case of that, the photo we all saw of the, 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 the lout wearing a free speech bloody T-shirt while he either thumped or slapped or punched at a, a police horse. It's madness. It look, it, what they're protesting against will extend the lockdown by weeks or months. It's just nuts. I'm fascinated this week and sad because I, I wrote a piece for The Big Smoke the other day about uh, post-COVID because I mentioned my, um, my dry cleaner of 19 years has closed his shop, right? And now in Richmond, you've got a place in uh, uh, Greek... Um, delicacy place which is closing down after sixty years. Um, and you tweeted about it and I was thrilled I could actually spell little unpronounced uh, Spanacopita. Uh, but th- that is so sad and, and that's what's happening. Small businesses, family businesses uh, not can't cope, aren't coping, and are shutting the door. Well,
0: how, how, how can they? I mean, who would have the sort of money to be able to sustain 18 months of lockdown like this if you're a, a small business? True. Uh, and, and, and those people, would they ever go back into small business again? I, I actually interviewed the people who, who own... The Brighton Savoy Hotel, wonderful hotel where they do weddings, started by a guy who came out from Hungary in 1960, something early 60s, the father. He actually died last year. He was on uh, dialysis Mm. and because of COVID, because of what he was seeing happening to his business, uh, which was closed, he decided not to continue his dialysis and to, to die. Um, uh, and uh, these people have been hit with a uh, a land tax bill of $200,000. Jesus, wept. This is for a year that they couldn't open to do the weddings and things that they normally would, would do. I mean, it is disastrous for small business. But,
1: but how could that land tax be there anyway?
0: Well, because of pre- the... the
1: Pre or no
0: COVID? Well, the building is worth a lot of money, but, you know, it's only worth a lot of money when you sell it. Uh, That's the thing, and that's what's happening. Look, um, uh, ScoMo, Scott Morrison, he's copping a lot of heat for not organising enough Pfizer. I noticed this group called ATAGI, which is a group of professors Mm. that sit and decide on things like this. They've now decided that AstraZeneca should be administered to people under 60, it's all complicated and difficult, but how much blame should Scott Morrison receive when you've got a good vaccine in AstraZeneca, which we're exporting to other countries, we make it here because we don't want to use it.
1: Two things here, Tony. I, I've had both AstraZeneca uh, inoculations and I'm pleased about it. I was, I was thrilled to see uh, Chant, the, uh, the um, uh, it's chief health officer in New South Wales, and a very poignant thing. It could be a commercial for the government, saying that I love my husband. I love my mother-in-law. I've advised them both to have Astrazeneca. You know um, so that Astrazeneca works. I mean, yes, you can get blood clots, and people have died. But you have got a more chance of being hit by bloody planes. You walk down the street, and one and two million people. We've had millions and millions of of, of, of vaccinations here. We have them. In, in Europe, in, in England, massive ones. The Oxford University invented AstraZeneca and it's, it's working and I, I'm confident about it. I, I, would, um, I would advise it for my loved ones to use it. Uh, but ScoMo, at least, I mean, finally he said he's sorry. Uh, I think he's being bullied a bit. I, I, I'm I'm a bit, um, I guess, um, out, out, of, out of step here because I think this, the federal government apart from the early bug up, bugger-ups, hasn't done a bad job. I have got the figures in front of you, but more than 10 million Australians have now been vaccinated, me included. Um, we're working well at the moment. And uh, we. When you look at other countries, the number, of, the number of deaths there, I mean, it's awful to see in Sydney six or seven at the moment, but we are, we're actually, as a country, doing quite well. I just wish we'd act more as a country as a, quote, commonwealth rather than states in this international warfare.
0: Well, this brings the role of the states into focus uh, because uh, uh, Gladys Berejiklian wanted the other states, particularly states like Western Australia, where there is no COVID, they've been pretty much uh, immune from it because they're a long way away from anything really. And the guy there doesn't want to give up his Pfizer shots to help people in Southwest Sydney. Now, do you think that's right?
1: Look, th- premiers are going to... I have any pol- politics on this, but premiers have to protect their own state. Here in Melbourne, Daniel Andrews has said, I'd love to send some uh, trackers to Sydney. We can't do it right now. He would love to send um, vaccine to Sydney. We've got problems here. We, we aren't out of it either. And I can see why, why states are being, um, are being um, proprietorial. Uh, Just look back for last year, Gladys Berejiklian was scathing about Victoria and didn't help us at all. So reap what you will sow.
0: (laughs) That is a bit vindictive, though. (laughs) I mean, I'm not not accusing (laughs) Daniel Andrews of being vindictive because I think you're right, we've got problems here. But I think a state like Western Australia... You know given also that a lot of west australians came home through sydney mm. uh, because sydney was really the the place where they had the hotel quarantine uh, the gold standard as everyone's been saying mm. uh, uh and and there were planes coming in from all over the world australians returning well, they, home and many and of those mo- most to
1: of, of sydney
0: yeah yeah so so repay the favor if you can yeah.
1: look uh i, I I think Morrison turned down at the recent national um, cabinet meeting, turned down the request from uh, from Gladys, uh, because he's stung by Daniel Andrews' line, the the prime minister of New South Wales. That really hurt them in Canberra. I can tell you. Um, it, 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 but but you must look after your your own state first. I know the that hazard the Sydney health minister said we are a commonwealth, we all should help each other. But as I said, Gladys didn't help us last year. And I hate to see this international international warfare. But I'll tell you one other thing about COVID that really hit me this week, or last week. I watched Sunrise and watched a woman in her 50s who has what they call long COVID, okay? And we, we don't pay enough attention to this. She got COVID, she's in her 50s got COVID 18 months ago, because she runs a little uh, shuttle company, and she shuttled a passenger off the Ruby Princess, which was, as we now know, was an absolute bloody uh, um, balls up. Absolutely disgusting thing, and, and the state government stuffed it. But this woman, 18 months ago, she got COVID. She still can't walk properly. She says... If I come off my walker and walk a little bit, my feet like they are on hot, cold. She's now suffering brain damage. She can't remember things. She's writing things down. She has her husband as her a, as a total carer. And I tell you, long COVID is going to be a thing that will hit us for the next 10 years.
0: Mm. Just one more thing Darren and I'd like you to comment on it. I've noticed a bit of movement in the um on the on the ALP side of politics. Uh, I note with interest uh, Bill Shorten was on Q&A. He was on Insiders and there was an article in the paper recently that he hasn't given up his hope of being prime minister one day.
1: I watched Insiders uh he quickly said no when he had any aspirations. Of course, those aspirations stay there. The baton always stays in the backpack. But I do not believe he will come back. Uh, I do believe they'll go to the next election with, 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 um, with Albanese. Uh, at this moment, despite the fact that you see the polls where, where understandably Morrison has lost a lot of lot of uh, support from women. And, uh, and and the vaccine handout, my gut feeling today, and I will change it every month as we do these do these uh, podcasts, I guess, my gut feeling today is that Morrison will still win next time. I don't think Albert is as cut, as cut through as he should. I, I don't think Shorten will come back. I'll t- the reason why is because Labor lost the unlosable election last time in my view, because of Bill Shorten. People just didn't trust him or like him or warm to him. And I don't think he can get that back. I think what he's done over the years for NDIS is, is fantastic. Uh, I think he's absolutely sincere in what he does. He's not just a, a token, not a, not a, a wheeler-dealing politician, that's in my view, but I just don't think... People will take him back. Uh, I, I I I don't know where they go because I don't think Albanese is cutting through either. I I I wish we could have the prime minister and the opposition leader get together and say, "Covid is our only our only enemy. Let's get together and do it together." And uh, to me, most Australians
0: would would love that. Well, it's not possible because of politics. Mm. Uh, I mean, the states won't do it. Uh, with the Prime Minister, the, the it, it's all sort of falling along party lines and uh, there's too much at stake with power, I guess. I, I think the ALP sniffs they've got a bit of a chance now because of what's happened with the vaccine rollout. And I notice on Twitter, you know, people saying, uh, I saw Mike Carlton. Uh, now, he's pretty left-wing in the things that yeah. he tweets. He said he, he, he always thought Tony Abbott was our worst Prime Minister and now he's <laughs> changed his mind.
1: Yes, and, and, and
0: Tony Windsor said that too. Uh,
1: I'm not sure that's true. I mean, the government's going through a terrible time now and the fact the economy is even on its feet is, is a great feat. Uh, I'm not so sure. Uh, it, it, it's a terrible time. At least he did say, I'm sorry, sort of, in recent days. And I wish more politicians would do that when they when they realise they've stuffed up. I've said to you before on this program, the biggest mistake they made was saying we'll have four million vax by end of March. Don't put figures on you can't deliver. Don't make up stuff you can't you can't play through. You know, um, and that's what the government with the government, Freidenberg and, and, and Hunt and uh, and uh, the PM ScoMo, That's where they they bucketed up by promising too much when they couldn't deliver it.
0: Darren Hinch, thank you very much. Talk soon. Ciao.